Matt Barbecue, a website's traffic to 1 million page views per month using technical SEO for episode 51. Let's do it. Welcome to the Rebel Growth Podcast. I am Borja Beso, and every week I bring you step-by-step growth and only marketing strategies that you can actually implement in your business to see some results. It's my pleasure to have you here, and let's start with another episode now. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Laura and how she grew Edgar's revenue to $180,000 per month. Today's episode is about technical SEO and how Mad Barbie used it to grow a traffic website to 1 million page views. It's a really interesting case study that you're going to that you're going to learn a lot from. Now everything that we're going to talk about today is going to be at rebelgrowth.com forward slash episode 51. And without any further ado, let's jump right into this case study with Matthew. So Matthew, man, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. No, it's great to be here. Yeah. So what do you tell me a little about how it is that you came to be a marketer and create your website and everything that you do? Well, yeah, I suppose it's been um, a bit of a kind of roller coaster ride of the past few years. Um, I, I started studying um, business and management when I was at university back in England. And uh, during that time, I was kind of trying to find uh, a way to fund my university and got into SEO, affiliate marketing, and all kinds of black hat SEO and all of that kind of thing and oh, yeah. started uh, really enjoying like you do. <laughs> uh, yeah I mean I started just kind of I got bit with a bug of SEO and I, I just then decided I want to start actually applying it in a way that was kind of a bit more scalable and um, moved into a, a small agency that was local to me just trying out some kind of like work experience to begin with uh, moved on there and started kind of moving on further and further I uh I went and became like the head of digital at a big agency and just recently I've just kind of moved in as the global head of growth and SEO at HubSpot and I think one of the big things that pretty much has, has got me to where I am so far today has been my blog. Um, it's been a great kind of platform to be able to show some of the things that I've been working on and I like to think that a lot blog is pretty much all focused around giving away every kind of secret that I have and just making nothing a secret to the readers. Um, a lot of the positive feedback I often get is around that. So, no, yeah, I love what I do and I, I hope that kind of comes across in the stuff that I put together for people. Definitely. And you have a pretty interesting case study that we are going to talk about today. It's a blueprint that got you up to about a, a million visitor, a million page views, right? Um, yeah. And we're going to talk about that in 12 months was the period, right? It was, yeah. It was just under 12 months. Under 12 um, months. That, that's pretty amazing. Uh, okay, so we're going we're gonna to walk pre- people through this uh, blueprint right now so that they can get their feet wet into this strategy and start implementing it. So how, how, did, it, it, how did it all start? What was the company that you were doing it for? Yeah, so this was, this was when I was... Um, uh, it was about a year and a half, two years ago maybe now that I started working on this project with a brand new 
startup based over in California called Buildfire. Um, a, a great bunch of guys and a great product. It's kind of like to to sum it up very shortly, it's uh, kind of like a self-service drag and drop build your own app platform for um, for people who don't want to get their hands dirty in code, don't want to pay huge amounts of money, but they want a mobile app. Um, so at a starting point, the guys kind of approached uh, me, sort of wanted to work with me and my agency that I was previously at, and we kind of put together a, a full plan from taking them from kind of pretty much zero. They'd just launched a website. That's all they'd done. There'd been no PR, nothing that had gone into it. And we wanted to grow traffic um, from organic. And yeah, the the early point was kind of we, we had absolutely nothing to work with and it wasn't a huge budget either to be honest we we were lucky in the sense that it's a good product but uh, yeah there was a lot of work to be done in terms of the the website the content on the site the, the strategy in general um, and as you can probably kind of see from the results that we had after a few months of working it started work, pretty much running in exponential growth. It's one of those projects that uh, I really enjoyed working on and very rarely was the case where pretty much everything went right, um, which is always a good feeling. All right. So how does, um, yeah, I mean, it seems like it, it really took off. I'm, I'm looking at an article that you wrote on your website. Uh, you have some pretty amazing charts right here. And I'll be I'll make sure to link uh, to that article on the show notes so that can so that people can ask uh, access it. Um, okay, so um, how how did you you know did you plan ahead? What what was the whole uh, blueprint like? Yeah, uh, I think this is this is really like a classic blueprint that I've been using with the majority of similar companies like this that I work with, especially when um, you're working with a brand new startup, it's it can often be very difficult from an SEO point of view in particular because of the fact that um, there's so many different directions that you can go in. It can be very overwhelming. You want results straight away, but they just don't come. And I think putting together a solid strategy with a ton of kind of milestones in between so that you can start measuring success at early points and start getting some quick wins and being able to see if things are going right is really important. But what we wanted to do is in-house, uh, BuildFire at the time had no content creation capabilities. They, they were like most small tech startups, a few people like that. I think there was about four or five people at the time um, and they were mainly developers. They were focused all on product like they should have been. And what we needed to do was be able to start building out as much relevant content to not only kind of help grow the organic traffic to the site, which was the big focus, but we wanted to create some middle of the funnel content as well that when people were coming through, they were going to actually convert and run into uh, the email list so that we could then start plugging them into a workflow to eventually get them to become customers. So kind of one of the ways that we often bypass or kind of hack the hack our way through getting some quick wins in terms of growth is instead of just relying on 
publishing really good content that all of a sudden does really, really well. We set aside, did a huge amount of keyword research, probably to the point where we had around about 10,000 keywords that we were targeting, um, and then drilled down that list to around 300 uh, long tail terms that we really wanted to start at least appearing somewhere, like even if it was page 10, just so that we know that we've got some content to match it okay, so uh, within had, the first year. So, sorry to interrupt you. So you had 10,000 long tail keywords that you wanted to rank for? Yeah, so we, what we tend to do, like I've always done this, is get a huge master list. Um, uh, this is this has come kind of something that um, I've learned over time. And if you're interested in keyword research, I would really recommend checking out um, Nick Eubank's blog. Um, I think it's seonick.net. He has like an incredible keyword research course that I used to send around to the rest of my team to read through because the whole the whole idea of it is getting a huge volume of keywords, uh, into, often into the tens of thousands, categorizing, prioritizing, and understanding the, the intent behind every single one of those keywords, and then taking a top kind of subsection of those to focus on over specific periods of time. And do you select, do you select those, those 300 keywords that you narrowed your list down to based on competition or based on, on quality or what was it? So what we tended to do was we took the first stage, which was filtering out search volume. So we wanted to uh, to try and kind of compete with some keywords that realistically we could start ranking for, but also had a decent amount of search volume. We weren't going for things like, uh, I think one of the keywords off the top of my head now, it's been a while, was like um, build an app. And that's like, it was like 33,000 searches a month. That's, that as a body term was just too much at that stage. So we did things like um, how to promote an app. And I think that was around about a 1,000 monthly search volume. And that was kind of like the sweet spot between, say, 700 to 1,500 monthly searches. Um, we filtered down on those. Then the next stage was uh, the, the intent behind those keywords. We were looking for really just top of the funnel stuff here. We're not looking for really transactional based keywords. We're just looking for information based stuff. So how to promote an app is like a very informational based keyword. They're just going in there to find out more information so that what we could then do is capture them into our email subscriber list. Um, and then the third stage is how competitive they were. And to do this very quick and simple ways, use Moz's um, keyword difficulty metric, and th that's a great way of just quickly finding some opportunities that match the intent and also the keyword volume, but also aren't going to be hugely competitive uh, to rank for. So one of the things that people often fall into the trap of is using um, PPC competition and using that as a, a point to measure out how competitive a keyword is in the organic search. Yeah, but that's not very reliable, is it? Well, no, because in fact, it's it's completely two different things. Whilst there may sometimes be correlation in the two, mm -hmm. they're, they're completely unrelated. So it's important to understand that and not use PPC metrics within organic search. Two main, two main things, like if you had to just uh, recommend two factors to focus on when deciding if competition is high or low. What would you say? The, the first thing that I would do is go through the first page of Google, 
for any of the search results and have a look at the number of websites, external websites, linking to each of the uh, top 10 listings. So let's say you search for something like, I don't know, the word SEO. Yeah, I've, I, I actually recently looked into this. So I think like the top result is a, is, is a page from Search Engine Land, and I think it has like 1,200 different referring domains linking to your website. Uh, their website. So to that page, actually, should I say. To that specific so, page. That specific page. Uh -huh. So then what you want to do is do that same thing for each of the 10 results and then get um, an average or a median uh, kind of results. So let's say the average is around 300 referring domains to each page that ranks for the words SEO. Compare that to where you're at right now with um, some of your top pages on your site. Let's say your best article you've ever had, the best URL, has had 30 URL at uh, 30 different websites ranking there. You can kind of start saying a very simple benchmark. This is very simple, but is just look, okay, well, if our best content is only getting linked to from around 30 good websites, and we kind of need to be around about the 300 mark to make an impact. There's a lot of other factors, but this is just a good way to put a stick in the ground. Then you could say, right, that's actually going to be very difficult for us to do. Try and match things out and find opportunities where the number of links in particular pointing to those pages that are ranking are low relative to your current position. Right. Right, right. It's true. So I think that's kind of like the, the, the big thing I would say for, for when you're trying to look at keyword competition. But as I said before, the, the Moz kind of keyword difficulty tool pretty much takes all of that into consideration and gives you a metric from 1 to 100 uh, that, that will actually kind of get you um, with that, uh, give you that information without having to do any manual checking yourself. I always try to, what I personally, what I've always been doing is uh, I use Market Samurai for, for starters. Oh, yeah. I also do use a lot of different tools because every tool is going to give you different uh, different metrics. And I haven't wrote an article. I may make sure it's linked to that article on, on at some tools reviews that, that I use. <clears throat> I use yeah. uh, OpenSat Explorer, Explorer link, link, uh, Open Link Profiler. Mm. A lot of tools are, are out there. But what I do is I... First, I look at if the article, if the top 10 are, are using the keyword, you know, on the first paragraph, on the title, on the URL. Um, mm. If they are doing that, it's, you know, it's, that's a good indicator that they have, uh, they are SEO minded, right? They yeah, have an that's SEO that behind that content. That's, yeah, that's them. a good indicator. Second thing that I look at is the number of referring backlinks to that specific page. Mm. Not yeah. to the not to the URL, not to the main domain. I'm saying this so that people understand uh, why it's yeah. important. Not to the main domain, but to that specific page. Absolutely. After that, I look at how long is the content and how many images, and you know how well optimized it is. Specifically, you know more uh, more specifically how long it is, and then I try mm. to estimate uh, the bounce rate that that page might have. So at this point, I have a pretty clear understanding if I'm going to be able to outrank that, you know, that pages or not. Uh, I'll make my decision of going after that keyword or not if I can rank up to, you know, number fifth spot or something. 
Yeah. Um, well, one thing to kind of add to that as well that, that I often find is really useful. When, when you're kind of going after a specific keyword, um, especially when it's a really competitive keyword that gets quite high search volume, one of the best bits of advice that I would say is once you've gone through all of that stage and you've validated it and you've said, right, okay, we're going to go for this keyword, take a look at the top five, uh, five positions on page one. Those top five positions are there not just because they have loads of links and because their content's really great, all of that side of things. Um, they got onto page one because they've got a load of links and their on-page SEO is really good. The reason why they've remained at the top position is because people click through to that kind of that URL. They click through to that specific page and they don't bounce off of it. They, they stay on there. You, you'll often find huge correlation with low bounce rates on yeah. the first page to the position they stay. So it's a good key indicator for Google that says, okay, these people are coming through to this page. They're not leaving or trying to go somewhere else because they've searched for something, they've came through to it, and they've got their answer. So it's a good search experience. Yes. So from your point of view, take a look at those top kind of five listings in particular and say, right, we obviously need to talk about this keyword, but have a look at the way they talk about the keyword and the way that they cover the topic and the type of format that you're, um, you, you're trying to kind of, that they're actually presenting the information in. And don't just replicate it, but use it as a perfect guide for matching the expectation of the people that come through to your site. Yeah, yeah. So moving moving down, you know, getting back on track on 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 the campaign on the blueprint. You yeah. have an, we have an, analyzed the keywords. We narrowed it down to the keywords that we are actually going to target. Um, you know, we have our potential traffic opportunities. What's next? The next thing is. Once you've, I, I'm not going to delve too much into like the competitor analysis and things like that because I think that that's an absolute given um, to do that side of things. You should be one of the things that I've always said is that competitor analysis is one of the most underused ongoing techniques, um, especially with an SEO. Every month you should be staying on top of your what your competitors are doing, anything that's worked well for them replicate it. Anything that they've, that's not worked well for them, see why and see if you can improve on it and do it in a way that they can't replicate. Once you've kind of got past that stage, um, you want to do something above and beyond what your competitors are doing. And one of the things that we found from the competition within this market was it was already an established market. A lot of the, the websites that we're competing with, the likes of Como, um, Shoutem, Good Barber, all of those sites were, had been around for a number of years. Their domains were really authoritative. They had a ton of content. I think Como had like half a million Facebook followers. We had a grand total of zero. <laughs> we just started everything up. So we needed to almost kind of crowdsource the authority. And the way that we did this was, and this is something that I've talked about a lot, um, whether it's at conferences or in blog posts that I've written, is building up a team of influencers to create content for you and absorbing a load of the influence and their network that they have to help with the promotion. So what we did is once we'd kind of mapped out 
the keywords we were targeting, we put together a full content plan based on this. And then what we did is we said, right, let's go find a load of people that are already writing great content within this industry. Um, you can use tools like Buzzsumo to find really uh, well-shared pieces of content, find who's written them, and bring them on board to regularly create content on your blog. And in this case, it was for BuildFire. So I think we, we started with a list, kind of a hit list of about 50 people. And uh, we got in touch with all of them, said, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to create. Here's an example of some of the different pieces of content that we want to create. What's your availability? How much could you commit to in terms of uh, posts per month or per week? And what's your uh, rate that you charge either per word or per article? So from there, we then started narrowing it down to people who were available. And we got down to a list of about 15 people that were kind of like, okay, these are kind of people that are available and kind of within our price range. And then from there, we started ranking people on how influential they were on social media and more importantly, how active they were in local communities. So we valued people who were active within places like growthhackers.com, inbound.org, um, certain Reddit, subreddits. All of these people were those that could have a big uh, influence in getting our content shared. And then we built them into a content plan. And we got them to create regular content on the site that they shared to their network, which was part of the agreement. They shared across the different communities that they were a part of. And what we found is we were creating good content. It was serving a purpose and it was really good. Um, but more importantly, we were pretty much crowdsourcing our entire promotion channel. Every post that went live, uh, I think that with our first 15 articles that we put together, we had an average um, share ratio on like social media on average it was shared around 600 times across social media and that was from a completely brand new site so that, that was amazing I think one of our articles around app promotion I think that's the right one got shared around 1500 times on social media um, it, it ranked number one for the words app promotion, brought through tons of traffic. It probably still ranks there now. Um, and we, we then used that as a platform to grow the uh, email subscriber list. We were getting tons of paid customers coming through and converting. We then started tweaking the email funnels to start growing that even more. But Everything that we did within the first six months was all focused around the top of the funnel. We were just traffic, traffic, traffic. That, that was it. And um, the influencers that we brought in gave us a, a perfect way into actually doing this without having an existing audience. Um, and as a result of that, once our community started to grow, we were able to line up a ton of different PR opportunities. So we worked with a number of different influencers, got them to try the product for free, just gave them as much information as possible on the product. And as a result, we ended up getting links from the likes of entrepreneur.com, Huffington Post, Inc., Forbes, Business Insider, Business News Daily, all of these big sites. Because we, the influencers were, were the authors. 
Absolutely. We we were we were kind of building long relationships over this period of kind of like six to eight months with these people, constantly sharing their their content. We were engaging with them on community um, different communities online. We were getting them actually in to try out the tool and give feedback to us so that we could kind of rebuild and fix it. And it gave them ownership of the the product they wanted to talk about us. And as a result, it 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 paid off big time. Right. I mean, I'm so excited about this, man. <laughs> it gets me so uh, geeked out. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it, it was a, it's, it's been something that I've done across a number of different industries, uh, like whether it's been this, whether it's been fashion, another great one for working with influencers, whether it's been the food industry, whether it's been... All, this, this kind of strategy works really well. And what you find is... After a while of working with external writers, you've built such an audience that you can then take that content creation in-house and carry on the, and get the same kind of traction. But what you've built is a huge influencer network, which you can constantly leverage to keep things rolling, keep things growing. And that almost becomes your link building campaign. Um, like I, 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 think, I don't think we did a single guest post in this whole campaign, um, but we generated a ton of organic links. Right, and did you uh, do you did you uh, reach out to this influencer network every time you published a self-published um, article and, and ask ask them to share it? Yeah, absolutely. And more often than not, straight, like so, straightforward, like hey, yeah, could you share this the- new article, please? Yeah, well, one of the things that we did, because nobody likes people just constantly emailing you or getting in touch saying, hey, can you just share this article? Like, and, and you kind of use up any favors that you may need a bigger favor for in the future by doing that. Yes. So instead, what we, what we do, and this is something that um, I've done a lot in the past, is give people ownership of the article by, before you publish it, just ask them for a quote within it. So we've got some influencer that's say focuses heavily on email marketing and we write an article that's like i don't know uh, i'm trying to think of one that we published before i think it was something like how to um, run an email marketing a- a campaign in less than an hour a day and what we would do is we reach out to an email marketing expert and say hey we're writing this article we, we just want to get kind of some, some validation from an influencer do you want to just provide a quick quote around this topic and we'll link back to your twitter profile or we'll link back to your site as a result We'll add that in and then we'll reach out to them when it goes live and say, hey, it's live, your quote's in there, it'd be awesome if you could share it, that's great. For them, that's self-promotion, so that's perfect and it doesn't feel like they're doing us a favor because we've kind of, we've repaid the favor by adding a link in, um, which has been kind of great. So that that works particularly well and gets across that whole issue of, constantly annoying people all the time yeah for sure i noticed that you use uh product hunt why don't you tell people a little about how did you use it and on really quick what it is that that was huge for us so just just for people who haven't heard of product hunt before it is an incredible community of uh of people that share brand new products in terms of like, it's mainly tech focused. Um, so it's just a huge community of 
geeks the like-minded that want to share the latest SaaS product the latest random like drone product that's going out or just handy little tools things like that and the product hunt community is something that I've been involved in for quite a while now and regularly post and share on it but from the point of view of a founder of a in particular a tech company it's a huge source of traffic if you can get featured on Product Hunt. And um, you really have to have a good product to be featured there, but there's also a lot of things that, that you need to do. Uh, I mean, I think that we had like on the one on one day that uh, we managed to get, pro, uh, get BuildFire featured on Product Hunt, we had, I think it was 3,500 um, unique users that came through to the site and the conversion rate was like 8%. It was just, it was crazy. We, we had a huge amount of new signups come directly from it. I think it was close to 300 uh, that signed up. So that was, that was actually, actually amazing um, from when that happened. But one of the things I'd say about Product Hunt is it's um, a very exclusive kind of platform, just submit, like, you can't just go into Product Hunt, create an account and submit. You have to either be invited in or be tagged as a maker of a product to be able to go into something. And even then, um, if you just submit it and you don't have a lot of followers on Product Hunt, the likelihood is it's probably not going to get seen. So it's a so, good idea to get, you know, to get active in a community and get some, you know, get some recognition as a user before you share something, right? Absolutely. Similarly, um, similar to Growth Hackers or any other... Exactly, and I think product is even community. more so the case. What we actually did is we, again, tapped into our network of influencers, found if anyone was particularly active on Product Hunt, mm -hmm. um, told them that we're going to do a launch on Product Hunt and whether they'd be interested in submitting it to the Product Hunt team, and they did. And what we did is, in tandem with that, we ran a discount of like 30% for any Product Hunt members that came through to the site, one of the main reasons why the conversion rate was so high. Uh, we created a Product Hunt specific page and uh, had loads of information for Product Hunters. And yeah, it was it was absolutely amazing. We, in a single day, smashed like the monthly target for new users. It was it was perfect. Um, that, that's beautiful. <laughs> I, yeah, love, I, think, I love I think the, I love communities. Yeah, I think it generated around about ten thousand uh, unique visits. Like in the end, just from product hunt which was great for like a single platform the way uh, it and the way it works is that you get up upvoted right and absolutely uh, yeah upvotes and comments are key to to rising up the the kind of the ranking lists right well um any other tips that that you want to give out on on these you know on these uh blueprint yeah i think the the last kind of thing that i would say is Within industries like the tech industry, it can be a lot easier to kind of reach out and network with influencers in the industry. Some industries have less of a focus on like social media influencers, yeah. and in those industries, they're normally dominated a lot more by journalists. And this is a pretty similar um, approach that you'll take with the influencers as you will to journalists, and was a huge part of, of our kind of work on Buildfire, 
the, the, the first thing I would focus on as a, as a new startup or even if you are an experienced kind of long-term business that just hasn't done this is create a great press kit. Um, and if you want to use one company's press kit as an example, go over to Balsamic, the um, wireframing tool, and go check out their press kit. It's something that I always cite as a great press kit. They have it all on one page. You can send it through to a list of different journalists, tell them what you're about, introduce yourself, and then start kind of building your rapport with them, which will inevitably result in you getting some great coverage online, getting some links, growing your brand awareness, all of these things. Um, and then lastly, measure everything. If you can't measure it, then you'll never know how well you've done, and there's probably no point doing it. So if you've got to focus on being able to measure everything you do. Right. Um, well, man, uh, before we go, uh, where can people go to find out more about you? Yeah, you can come through to matthewbarbie.com uh, or you can kind of, uh, if you want to come through to my blog, uh, feel free to sign up to the, the email list. I'm always firing out like exclusive like hacks and tutorials, stuff like this. Um, also, you can, if you have ever have any questions, you can reach me on Twitter at Matthew Barbie and um, I'm always kind of willing to answer any questions if you have something particularly long that you need to kind of go through just drop me an email find my website and I'll be able to kind of come back to you and you'll also see me hanging around on the the, the HubSpot blog as well so check that out well there you have it guys a wonderful case study that you can follow up uh, full of actionable tips uh, you know go ahead and implement it see how it goes for you uh, make sure to do your, do your research. And uh, Matt, uh, thank you so much, man. I really, really hope to have you again in the future because it seems that we can bring on board some, you know, a lot of topics for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's been great. It's been great being here. All right, man. Catch you later. Thanks a lot. Cheers. All right. I hope you enjoyed that case study with Matthew. I hope you took a lot of notes and I hope you get you got something that you can actually implement. Now, if you're on my email list, please answer to my to the email that I sent you with this episode and let me know who your favorite startup is and if you would like to see it featured here on the show I'll reach out to them and, and let them know that you're asking for that and get them on the show and talk about how they grew their startup now uh, like I mentioned before everything mentioned in this episode is going to be at rebelgrowth.com forward slash episode 51 once again thank you so much guys until next week Go out and keep them going.